Hello, today we've got Bootsy with us. Um, Bootsy actually goes uh, via two different names, but we'll get into that a bit later, I guess. I just want to start, Bootsy, by asking you, the first thing I noticed when I, when I came across your podcast, uh, Blue Collar Mystics, is the image that you use on it. It's two Hindu gods. Um, what was the reasoning behind that? Well, uh, it's a good parody. Uh, yeah, it's like the Americana, you know, farmer. Um, I was messing around with a bunch of different concepts and my friend Becky made that for me. I really appreciated it. <laughs> I actually have it on my shelf too. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's Shiva and his wife. Um, and kind of the sig significance of it is, um, you know, it's it's more of a American Gothic. It's like a traditional image. Uh, with a, kind of an Eastern spin. So it's a West meets East kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> really, that's that's the main gist. I want to try to bring spirituality uh, into it, making it as simple as possible. So into more and more hands just by being as straightforward. But every, everything's spiritual. Everyone is spiritual. And I don't think it has to be super complicated or, you know, uh, out of reach or only certain pious people get to be spiritual or whatever. And I also, you know, know there's there are a lot of people who have their religious beliefs and I don't really want to tread on that either, but I do want to talk about the cause and effect and reality, what's happening here, how we interact with our world and how we affect our world. And that transcends any uh, religion or belief, in my opinion, that's, you know, something that's based on experience and, uh, something that we can all uh, something that we all deal with all the time on a day-to-day -day basis we're all trying to affect our reality in some way and that's a tough word to choose because are you manipulating your reality are you forcing your reality are you pushing reality are you creating reality um, but one thing's for sure we need to be right about our take what we what we think how we are interacting with our world um, that's our, I think our most fundamental need is like, all right, this is what happens when I do this. And I know that, and I can continue to grow and build based on this one simple understanding of how I am part of the world, whatever that looks like. Right. Yeah. I, I like it because, um, one thing that I've definitely noticed, I've, I've not been on the journey too long, but one thing I've noticed, I got brought up in a semi Hindu sort of household. I wouldn't say super Hindu, but semi-Hindu. Um, but I, what I noticed with spirituality is throughout my life, it always seems a lot of spirituality um, sort of comes from Hinduism, of, of what, what we speak of spirituality today. And it was sort of bucketed away to be, well, I can't really do that because I don't follow Hinduism. But the more we become connected over the internet, the more I'm realizing that, wait a minute, everyone can follow certain aspects of Hinduism because it relates to everyone. It's not one of them bucketed religions, which should just be stored on the shelf for people who want to practice that um, religion. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can't get carried away just listening to the liberal media. You got to appropriate harder, more appropriation. That's what we need. No, but I, I do believe in breaking down the barriers between like a lot of the chaos magicians are this way where it's really about you and how you interact with the world. Like what that's like for you, what your experience is. That's what magic is all about. It's way more subjective. Now I'm an objective believer as well. I do believe in one physical objective world, 
that we are all sharing and all part of <clears throat> also believe in, you know, that, uh, that there is an infinite amount of information out there. So there are multiple possible, um, expressions and ideas and things like that, but we have to bring those into the physical world. There's, you know, you're not going to just like disappear from here and like show up in some other reality. Um, like, like that. It's not, <clears throat> I think people, um, I think people have gotten a lot dumber over time. So the internet has been great for information, um, but it's also been really good to proliferate like bad ideas and, <clears throat> and, and maybe have <laughs> people fall prey to some like NLP kind of stuff, culty kind of stuff. Um, and then just, you know, random, random, terrible ideas that are solipsistic and generally or nihilistic in nature. Right. Yeah. Uh, I also see with the internet that it stopped a lot of people from being able to think for themselves because it's that sort of, uh, you call it a cult in a sense, but it is in the sense that you've got a thought or you've got an experience and then you'll turn to someone else on the internet for their opinion on that experience and then they'll take that as their opinion on the experience. And you see it a lot and, and, and I do see it with YouTube a lot because YouTube's such a popular platform that people listen to YouTubers and they'll believe every single YouTuber and what they, what they say, what they're talking about rather than actually thinking about what they're saying and listening to an alternative point of view and sort of deciphering where you feel like you stand on that in this situation. A lot of people just find the person with the most views or the most subscribers and be like, he must have something right. I think so too, 100%. And it's easy to do that. It's just a, to authority i guess right one of those fallacies yeah where does the um the name blue collar mystics come from it's something that i thought of a long time ago and it really just has to do i'm from georgia i grew up in a rural part of relatively rural part of the country um around a lot of like i guess you'd call them rednecks lots of rednecks around me and so you know that culture is something that I'm pretty familiar with, you know, truck drivers, blue collar workers, mechanics. Those are the people that I was around growing up. And that's really kind of like how my grand grandparents were, you know, and all that. So uh, very blue collar upbringing from the South though. So not like an industrial factory worker, more like farming and stuff like that. Um, landscaping, cleaning, I own a cleaning business now. So, you know, it's like, that's very blue collar stuff but there is a lot of purity in that stuff. Like the being directly tied to, to nature, being directly tied to the human experience and, and part of it, whatever, <clears throat> whatever it is that you do. Like, I just, I find a lot of uh, the, that I, I really want to cross those two paths together where it's like, you know, you're a caretaker of the world you know, you're a spiritual person, you're a down to earth person. Whereas I think in general, a lot of that uh, stereotype with spirituality is kind of pious and disconnected, or it can be. So I'm just like, I, I just, uh, that's what I feel. I feel like everybody can be a blue collar mystic. I mean, even look at Jesus, right? Like he was a carpenter. 
you know, he was good with his hands. He was building things and, and making things. And, um, and I think we also, all the blue collar people are the ones that make shit happen, right? Like they're not sitting around all day, not doing anything. They're the ones hauling and building and actually doing those things. Somebody's above them, I guess, you know, saying where they're going to build this giant building, but it's the strong, it's the strength of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of, of really tough laborers and people who, who actually do the work and, and make these things happen. Um, and then, so I think we should connect as much as possible uh, internally. And I think there's kind of, I don't know if it's the same voice, you know, but I do think there is a resounding may, I mean, I guess at the bottom of it at all, it has to be right. Like it can't not resolve, but I don't know, listen to our internal voices uh, as opposed to the external authority uh, kind of things. It has something to do with that. And I appreciate the question because I'm like unpacking it now uh, a little bit as we speak. But I mean, really, you know, it's just down to earth spirituality and uh, really trying to connect with, with that. So Bootsy, what led you on the spiritual path that you're on today? What? Uh, crippling depression from conspiracy theory research. <laughs> 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 yeah, 2012, I had a huge uh, paradigm shift, I guess, is a politically correct way to say it. I woke up. Oh, ah, <laughs> I had an experience. I don't know if I woke up. I woke up to some other reality that I was previously not aware of. Right. And so I think we're all growing. Our consciousnesses are growing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I discovered YouTube conspiracy stuff on the internet and i just was like blown away i uh i realized that so much of what i thought i i believed to be true about the world was simply not and um, i read a lot of books and did a, and, and and history uh kind of re you know re uh patterned <laughs> some things and i really wasn't myself there for a couple of years honestly i felt you know, um, so I was so hurt by some of the things that I found to be true about the world and the way that it works, you know, the banking system and other stuff. Um, uh, all these conspiracies, right. Alex Jones was really popular back then as well. So I'm starting to listen to him and all these heretic type, you know, very, um, very fiery type of personalities who, who are right about a lot of things, but, but the way that they present them is always, uh, just, I don't know, just causes more harm really than anything else. But, uh, so, so yeah, so for a couple of years doing that, and then at some point I was like, all right, fine, look, I'm not going to beat the bankers or whoever I'm not going to win. So what can I do to just, you know, do as best as I can for myself and my family. And I started to get into spirituality um, and I started to just read anything that I could in self-help as well. Theory of psychology, Maslow. Um, yeah, literally anything I could. Um, and Napoleon Hill. Um, <clears throat> man, um, Maxwell Maltz and uh, Robert Anton Wilson and Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I just consumed and consumed and consumed. And finally, uh, that led me to a discovery of a book called reality Transurfing, which is a Russian book, a very thick one. And, uh, that author did a really good job of kind of breaking down the, 
what is going on sort of metaphysically, you know, um, sort of phenomenon, a phenomenon of energy and doing a really good job of illustrating it and putting it in a way that was the most scientific that I had seen. Cause kind of the way my range went was like when I first kind of discovered, well, some of the things that were going on, I'm reading like Ayn Rand and thinking about objectivism and that's great stuff. I mean, like, again, I do believe in objective reality. Um, but you know, it's, that's just really kind of one part of the picture too. That doesn't really bring the full picture together. There's this whole metaphysical aspect of things and that I was completely missing, you know, I mean, even just from a simple observable thing like attitude, you know, just seeing how your attitude affects how you interact with other people, little things like that. So I knew something was missing. And so I swung into all that spiritual stuff and the transserving stuff kind of did a good job of marrying it. Like even before I discovered it, I was like, I think I would be like a hermetic objectivist if I had to describe myself where it's like, I do believe in all this woo woo shit, but I also know that this is, you know, this is, we're all here. <clears throat> then again, I, we could debate that too. Cause like there's the Mandela effect. I just shoved that completely out of my mind, but <clears throat> you know, for my, for my purposes, this is my framework. <laughs> I'm just going to share that because it, whatever you believe is, is on you. That's, that's your, you're your own blue collar mystic. So, um, so yeah, but really understanding some of those metaphysical aspects and how he described them. And one of the things he said in that book was, is that you've got to give up the fight on trying to ch change the world and save the world. And that was a huge relief for me because I know it was true, but I still felt guilty. Like I was responsible somehow. And, you know, we do need to speak up, obviously, you know, that's a big part of why I do podcasting or any of this stuff. Um, but also within reason, you know, understanding that, you know, yeah, it's like, there's, there's an example that he makes in the book where you could run into the grocery store and just start screaming, please don't kick me out of the grocery store. Please don't kick me out of the grocery store. And what do you think is going to happen? Right? Like <clears throat> we always get that thing that we don't want. But that's a really good example of like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to use the machine to put a stick in the spokes of the machine. It just doesn't work that way. So picking my battles is kind of what that book really taught me. And, uh, and, 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 and infusing the sort of physical and the spiritual, the metaphysical stuff together. It does such a good job of that. You know, um, I think, I think he's, I think he's right about a lot of that stuff. I can't argue with very much of it. Yeah. When you, when you say, um, don't try and save the world, I always think the best way, if you, the best way to even attempt to save the world is to make yourself a better person. And if everybody on the planet made themselves a better person, then the world would be a better place. So it's, you're, you're, you need to be selfish in the sense you need to look after yourself first before anything else can get better. I think that's 100%. True. Yeah. I think so many people run around and they try and impose their will on other people. And you got to understand, like, you're the bad guy in that situation, right? Like a lot of people don't, right? Like talk about climate activists who think they're saving the world or whomever, right? Fill in the blank. It doesn't really matter. They're, they're, they think that they're going to fix the world by changing you, but it just, it just never works out that way. You really only have one thing that you can control. And I think that's why he emphasizes that point in the book. It's like, stop trying to change other people. You have to just let them be what they are. 
and yes, if everyone did work on themselves, even just a little bit, imagine, you know, and like that blue collar mystics thing, if there is one voice, instead of listening to your overlord, uh, you know, dude with the blueprints, you know, you listen to your internal one. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing they can do to control a group of people who are thinking for themselves, and taking their own initiative and direction from inside their own, you know, voice, whatever, wherever that, you know, comes from the force or whatever like we could be all mystical about it or we could just be like really kind of humdrum uh too about it because i think you're exactly right it's like until we take the time for ourselves you don't really even like what's what are you going to what are you really going to be able to affect if you can't even take the time for that and as as and as i've like personally taken more time for myself it's kind of been a difficult thing for me i like i could easily wear myself out of time just by going after and trying to help other people and then i what what have i done for myself but completely given myself you know no time to develop so i remember when i first made it a really conscious choice i had just talked to a friend of mine my friend janine and she was like you've got to start making time for yourself she said and she was right you know um and so I took that to heart. So I started doing morning pages every day for like a year. And I remember at, at a certain point during doing that, I, I was having some dreams. One of them, one of which was I was doing a lot of like, I, I guess you would call, um, you know, um, uh, integration of things, accepting, accepting parts of myself and things. So I had one dream where I was like going into this like nasty lake and just pulling body parts out, which were parts of myself. Uh, I was integrating. And then not too long after that, I had another dream where I was babysitting my parents' children, which are obviously both me, right? Like, and so like the little the little girl at the end of the dream gave me like a big hug and just she just said, thank you so much, right? Like, so because I was taking the time to give myself my inner self, inner child, whatever, <clears throat> was like, thank you. I really appreciate you doing that, you know? and literally thanking me for it. So that was a pretty cool experience. And I just, yeah, I want to try to um, encourage people to do that as, as much as they can have time for, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a worthy endeavor. So with that in mind, and obviously you um, spoke about how you suffered from the depression or the nihilism that comes with, looking into an epic amount of conspiracy theories um and i guess when you were kind of saying that, i said that of a side note and then you mentioned it was 2012 you don't know what happened and then you mentioned about the mandela effects uh, in fact the first thing that came into my head when you said it was 2012 and uh, suddenly something happened i was like yeah that's the mandela <laughs> effect on you right <laughs> yeah i mean it's possible i mean nothing is out of the realm of of possibility that's what amazes me about the world too it's like the more i look and discover and ask and seek no one can tell you what reality is you know even after all of this time and all of this struggle it, you know you still it's still hard to define it you know and uh and everybody's kind of got their own experience too so that definitely changes it so um, so yeah, so I think that's hilarious and it's, it's totally possible. We could, you know, we could have all died, you know, we, uh, like 
And then now here we are in this, because I definitely see some Mandela effect stuff. Like I definitely see the Bernstein bears. That's the biggest one. Uh, but there have been other ones too, that have really kind of shook me. Um, you know, I don't really know how exactly to account for that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no one does, but it is. It's um, <laughs> burning mysteries. <laughs> right. hundred percent. There's some other really fascinating ones too. Like in Tufty, uh, he talks about this train that left in Italy and, wound up in Mexico in like the 1800s or something. And all the people on this train spoke Italian. They all had Italian passports. Yeah. They just wound up there somehow. They went through a tunnel and freaking ended up in a different time. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting though. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty crazy. You can still find the newspaper clipping of it and stuff, you know, from when it was written, but yeah, shit like that. It's just like completely inexplainable. What are you going to do? You know, I'm not going to sit here and try to be an authority on something that no one can define. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess then what the what happens is what the problem I see is something like that will happen. Uh, this is in the modern day. If something like that was to happen today, there will be so many deep rooted conspiracy theories about how the worst possible thing could have caused this to happen, and everyone needs to be shit scared of the situation that we're in right now. Um, and that's a scary thing about modern day. But my, my question to you was, I, I've also experienced that nihilism of going through conspiracy theories. I know Aaron has too. And I know many of the people that we've spoken to have. But like, given that you've been through it and like where you're at today, is you, you, you're on a much more positive landscape. And you, you can, you even, I even get the vibe from you that you're a completely changed person from whatever that w- would have been back then. What advice would you give someone if they're listening right now that are stuck in this nihilistic sort of sense of the world and they're just deep rooted into conspiracy? Yeah, I my heart goes out uh, to anybody who's in that spot because it's tough, man. That's a brutal place to be and you feel so helpless and like it doesn't matter what you do, who even cares, you know. Um, I guess I would say to that person that, um, that really the 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 thing that the thing that makes the struggle worth it is the fact that you think the struggle is as hard as what it is or as as big of a challenge as what it is right like for instance i'll use comedy as an example stand-up comedy is one skill people talk about how hard it is it's pretty hard i i will say that like it will make you want to give up it will make you feel like you're never going to make it and i remember when i was in college like i dropped out a couple of times and maybe should have stayed dropped out. I'm prop maybe if I, you know, if I would have looked back, if I were to go back, I probably wouldn't necessarily have gone back again. Anything, everything happened, happened. You know, I'm happy that it did the way that it did. But one of the things that my dad was so passionate about and why he wanted me to go to college. And I just paid off my student loans, by the way, <laughs> look at the gray <laughs> in my beard, bro. I just paid them off. And, but what it taught me was that I could endure a long like a long journey of something like a long adventure. Like it, it, it took me seven years, you know, so that's even longer than the typical four, but regardless, it's challenging. It was something that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. And if you don't think you're going to be able to do it, that's, that's why it's a challenge. You know, if, if, if there's a, if there's not a moment of sincere, actual doubt, then the thing that you're the mountain that you're climbing, isn't really a mountain you know what I'm saying? Like you're, there's, you're not getting over anything. So it sucks, but I would say, you know, the biggest thing is to try to 
just follow it, follow it where it goes. You know, um, the cliche thing to do is like, oh, it's not that bad, you know, this or that or whatever. But, and and that's true. And that is true, even though it's cliche. So I'll try and give advice that's not and say, you know, just follow that wherever it leads, whatever it is that you get super interested in because of it. There's a reason why for me, it was just darkness all around for two years, which forced me to seek a light. Right. And so for somebody else, they may find something Tartaria or I don't know, dude, any number of things. I don't, um, you, you know, again, when it comes down to it, I think we all need to just kind of hear within ourselves and like a liberal education is when the student decides what's important to learn, you know, start following your own curiosity. Yeah. There's a brewery here and they're blowing up. They're actually going to be nationwide here pretty soon. I think they're opening up another location out West, but, uh, I did a tour there years ago and I'll never forget it. Uh, the guy was like, the reason why they call it creature comforts is because you, your, uh, your curiosity leads to your passion, your passion leads to your purpose. And then whenever you uh, find your purpose and fulfill your purpose, you deserve the creature comforts that go along with, uh, you know, a job well done or whatever. And that's why they call their beer that, which, you know, I'm not, um, yeah, I just, it made me cry. Like I was in a brewery tour, like tearing up with some coworkers of mine. And, uh, and I was like, I know that's true. I just knew it was. And so, um, and that was, uh, that was quite a few years ago, but like, I would say that take it, follow it wherever it leads. There's a reason why there's always a reason why there's not no reason, you know, you're not completely helpless. There's, you have more power than you think all the cliche stuff. It is true. Like, it's like saying that to somebody who's depressed. It's like, you, you could say like, Oh, you're a special person. They're not going to believe you. So I don't want to say any of that cliche stuff, but I do want to encourage people to take it where because I've tried, I've tried to be like, look, dude, let me help you. Like, let me give you this worksheet on icky guy and stuff. And it's like, if they're not ready for it, dude, they're just going to look at you and be like, you're fucking corny, bro. Like get out of my face. So, you know, follow it where it leads. And, you know, if you need resources, there's tons of stuff like that. Uh, Japanese Ikigai is a great place to start for finding purpose or meaning or a reason for being, um, you know, you got to take and incorporate all this stuff and balance will restore itself. You know, we go through these wake-ups or paradigm shifts or whatever you want to call them. And it's extreme. It's like, you'll learn about this thing and it will be extreme. And then you'll integrate that. You'll bring it in and you'll come back to your center a little bit and have a, a more developed understanding of who you are. And all that, all that, uh, all that is alchemy too. You know, it's like the more that you learn that and incorporate it into yourself, like the more you can move in the world with a better perspective and, um, and, and you can understand other people better too. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. And when you say, I don't want to say it because it's a cliche, I, I get it because it is a cliche, but they're cliches for a reason. And it's because yeah. they're the most obvious and the most um, sort of straightforward thing. But I guess from the person who's hearing it, because it's a cliche, they just think I've heard it a million times. But I guess what you need to do is actually listen to it. Don't just hear it, listen to it and but copy and paste it into your life and see how it fits. It might not fit perfectly and you've got to adapt around it, but you'll find sort of something that fits and 
I don't know. I think what um, me and Aaron have found the most sort of useful, um, I know certainly I have, is the community aspect of it. And it's not just even having people to go to for advice. It's just like we're doing now, just sitting down and shooting the shit, basically. That goes a long way because you can start thinking out loud without having such a serious conversation um, and, and worry about being judged on what you're doing. Because I know a lot of people who go down the conspiracy rabbit holes feel so lonely because the family don't want to listen to them. They're scared that they'll lose all their friends if they even mention uh, that climate change is a hoax. Then people are petrified of being lonely. So I guess, yeah, it's continue down the uh, avenue you're going down and pick up some people along the way. Yeah, that's great. There's way more of a community now than I think there ever had been, you know, and feeling lonely. That is really the biggest thing. It's true. I mean, they, you know, it goes back into our most primitive behavior. You know, the worst thing that you could do is be, you know, kicked out of society. <laughs> so if you're a heretic and you, you know, you're willing to admit the truth of the situation, it, it will ruffle some feathers, but generally speaking, um, I feel like that's something that's being used as, uh, as leverage and, and manipulative, uh, as, as far as it goes to keep people from sharing their thing. And then you've got social media now too, where it's like, Oh, we'll just silence you or your friends won't see your post about this X, Y, or Z thing or what. I mean, even from a business standpoint now it's gotten out of control, right? Like it was supposed to help people, you know, reach other people. And now it's more like, if you don't pay us, it's like extortion at this point. Um, but but yeah, there's there's good networks out there and other people who have experienced it. Um and and you know, that's that's great. I think that's the beginning of you know, using those resources uh and each other as um as much as we possibly can to do our own thing because you know, that was a big thing that I learned from uh that transurfing book when he's talking about not fighting against something when he's talking about the idea of pendulums specifically that inner energy itself is energetic informational structure so if you've got a group any group it doesn't matter he qualifies that as as a pendulum you know they have sort of a um like a, a stance on something and it's a kind of a collective thought form energy form it doesn't matter what it is it could be like the volleyball club or you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, each and every one of these groups of energy or anywhere where more than one person is, it becomes like an energetic uh, informational structure, right? Especially these larger and larger groups. So Democratic Party, Republican Party, football team, you know, extrapolate that on and on and on. Well, if you oppose something, then you are actively radiating energy at it just from the other side. So if you've got, let's say, abortion here, and you've got a bunch of anti-abortion people here, and you've got a bunch of pro-abortion people here, they're both radiating energy at the same exact thing, which is that, you know, idea, right? And so just because you oppose it, opposing it actually uh, just makes it, gives it strength. It's like the nothing from the never-ending sword, but it like, but it, but it really does, like, it just adds energy to that fire. So I think the biggest lesson there as I don't know what we would call ourselves, alternative people, you know, conspiracy theorists, people who don't like the mainstream uh, way, the way that society is going. We just need to build our own infrastructures. Um, and that's, that's the only real way, because like, fighting against 
the infrastructure, fighting against the power, it just validates it and it just gives it more uh, ammunition and more momentum. So like the whole, you know, anti-racist thing, right? Like, it's like, well, that just makes more racism because people are going around looking for racism. They're like, it's not enough to just not be racist. Well, fucking yeah, it is. I'm sorry, but yes, it is. That is that is all that people should be because you go because now we're back at this thing where I'm going to go and I'm going to change you, right? And like that can't be done. It's just it's never going to work. Um, so you know, it's about doing what we can ourselves, right, and treating everyone as 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 human being right? frankly like everyone has the same rights none of that shit matters uh as far as how we you know should be treating each other as autonomous individuals each and every one um so but yeah but i think that's a big thing to keep in mind it made a huge difference in my life and i was like oh well if i fight the power i'm actually just i'm just actually helping the power be the power that it is i i just validated it acknowledged it gave it credit and I gave it all my attention and energy. And so like that in attention and energy, that's for you, you know? So maybe another thing to say to somebody who's like deep in that wormhole or rabbit hole of conspiracy theory is to just take a break from it and listen and give yourself some time, you know, go for a walk in the woods, you know, look around and generally speaking, things are better. <laughs> you know, you like walk outside, things are usually fine. Um, the climate stuff gets me all crazy because I follow a bunch of different uh, accounts on Instagram and stuff <clears throat> that are like climate change activists. And I'm a huge climate person. I love nature. Like I'm a huge fan of nature. I've lived in the woods a lot and lived in the, a, out of a van and been a raft guide. And, you know, it's gorgeous. I, I can drive an hour up the, up the way here and be in the mountains and it's beautiful. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of all of that. And so the climate hysteria, it drives me, it drives me up, a, up a wall, dude. It's just crazy. And I don't say climate change is, is a hoax, but it's not an a, emergency disaster that we all need to start e eating, you know, crickets because of, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that ain't it, you know, <laughs> but again, you know, back to balance. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that we should do to make the, earth healthier none of which are these giant corporations you know that are own all owned by blackrock gonna give us any of those opportunities or options ever you know like we could be making rope and clothes out of hemp and we've never done that you know so uh, they're not just gonna all of a sudden decide oh well let's do something positive for the environment it, it won't, it won't. <laughs> anyway i don't know <laughs> i don't know about some of the other theories like you know, the fossil fuel thing or like, and, and, and I'm interested to speculate on that kind of stuff, but I, it doesn't really matter, you know, to me, like what matters is, I don't know, trying to get away from all of that. I don't know. I'm yeah. It's getting away from it. And just to pull you back a bit on what you were saying before about what fighting well, fire with fire basically just creates more fire. And I, it's, I guess if we're going to go down the cliche route, then it's literally speaking it into existence by saying, I don't believe in LGBTQ, I don't believe in racism, or I don't believe in climate change. You're still speaking it into existence. And what, what one of the big evils is with the corporations is marketing. And that's what they do in the marketing. And 
their deployment of these different, I don't know what you want to call them, agendas, initiatives, is just their way of marketing them. So to get half of the world annoyed about the LGBTQ movement is just their marketing to get that even further out, keep it in the algorithms. So I can 100% like back you on saying, just look the other way completely and keep moving in that direction and speak into existence that path because turning around and trying to fight that other path is too big of a fight to even to even try um and it's yeah we just go down that road and keep doing what like what we're doing now and more and more people will eventually join you because they can see it's the right direction like me for example i wouldn't have known about this i would have quite easily just gone and been the corporate just nobody that everyone sort of strives towards in the western world that could have been quite easy i don't know what it was there was a few life-changing moments that obviously put me on this path but to keep going on that path and opening that door for other people not dragging them into it but just showing them the doors open i'm walking this way join me if you think it looks fun sort of thing yeah so about leading from example like people look at you and think oh what's cameron doing that looks interesting that looks good I might try a little bit of it and then they get interested in it and then follow your footsteps. From the way you carry yourself and like how uh, confident you are sort of in your reality or your perspective of it or whatever, people will pick up on that subconsciously too, you know, and Tufty, he talks about being a firefly and, you know, let's say, let's go back, let's rewind to a couple of years ago when there's a ton of hysteria, right? Like if you had shown up and then you weren't miffed by the hysteria, then people would start to wonder about you and like why you're doing the things that you were doing. And then if you have that type of presence, then a lot of people will just calm down and they'll kind of yield to your authority subconsciously. Um, Even though you're not an authority on it, but you're just like, dude, this isn't a big deal. Everything's fine. You don't have to trip or whatever. Like having that um, outlook is contagious, you know? And uh, and so that's a good thing to think and to try to keep in mind. It's easy to get swept up in the hysteria. I do it almost daily. I own a business. So it's like anything can happen at any moment. And like, oh my God, we got to call it. I got to run this guy down for a check or whatever. And and those things happen. The hard part is just zooming out and and being like, okay, I'm going to try not to get swept up in the moment. And one of the things that Tufty says, and especially someone who's in a a difficult uh, space, this is going to be more and more true for them is that we're so wrapped up in the immediacy of our world that we just see everything as completely binary. It's either good or bad. You know, it's like, Oh no, this terrible thing happened. It's bad. You know, Oh no, this one thing happened. Oh, it's good. So we're like, it's either good or bad, but we're like, so in our own world that we're like a snail you know, but we don't see the larger picture, the higher objective view. And her premise is that everything is working toward your benefit. Everything is for your advantage. It's for your growth. It's for you to get better. It's for you to see a broader perspective of what's going on and and to become more conscious as a human being. Um, so I'm trying to keep that in mind and say, okay, this could be to my advantage somehow. Or how can I play this to my advantage, right? It doesn't mean that the terrible thing that happened to you is an advantage. Like, oh, yay, grandma's dead. You know what I mean? That's good. Let's sell it. You know, uh, it means, okay, hey, this thing has happened. How can we leverage this? How can we, you know, move ahead? What can we learn from it? How can we be objective? 
how can we see a larger picture? You know, obviously you want to grieve a loss or go through all the stages of grief. If, if there's a, a, a big change and be a healthy person, but that doesn't mean, you know, that you, cause you can't just say that to anybody, yeah, obviously. Right. Like they wouldn't take that. Right. But you can see, you know, in the scope of my life, you know, how is this actually going to benefit me? How am I growing from this? And if you can kind of keep your wits about you during those major crises and those moments of that would otherwise be pure panic, then very often, um, you know, you'll get a lot out of those moments uh, just because of your own situational awareness and uh, just being able to try to stay calm through that stuff and see what the benefit could be. Cause there might be there, there can be, and often is. Um, and it might not be in that moment, you know, it might be a little bit later on down the sequence of events, but you can find that silver lining if you look for it. And if you do, then what that'll do is it'll kind of trick your brain into looking for that the next time. And, sooner and sooner and over time you'll have a, a more optimistic perspective and you'll start to see the benefit in more situations and the weird thing about it is the more you see that benefit the more you see those positive things the more that they actually will start to turn out in your favor you know it's funny how people will treat you differently based on your own outlook and your own perspective and so the more that you can kind of hold on to that and stay true to that perspective. If she says you're a snail, everything's working out in your best interest and you don't even realize it. Well, that's hard to believe, especially in the moment. But if you can just kind of stay open to that, then what will eventually happen is it'll change the way that you view the world. And then your life will actually improve. You know, like, I don't think anybody's ever complained their way to the top. You know, I just don't think it works that way. You know, from an abundance state and abundance mentality. Yeah, there are very privileged people that take a lot for granted and they're entitled assholes. But in general speaking, somebody who comes up into a place of, let's call it success, physical success, financial success, whatever, uh, generally speaking there, it's because of a lot of gratitude and appreciation um, and resilience, you know. Some of the happiest people I know are cancer survivors and they may be rich and they, but, but, and they may, uh, but they've worked really hard for it. And one of those people comes to my mind every time I see the guy he comes up and tells me a dirty joke and, <laughs> and it's hilarious, <laughs> but you know, like that guy has been through a lot and he still has that sort of an outlook. And so, you know, if we can stay uh, motivated and stay it's not denial of pop, you know, like don't be in denial. I'm not saying like, Hey, this terrible thing happened. And it's not, yeah. You know, be a human being, but everything that you can and with everything that you can, the more that you zoom out and can see a larger perspective, you know, the, the more, the more effective you're going to be. And that optimistic attitude will carry over and you'll actually, it will actually have real tangible results over time. If it can be, it can be very small results. They're residual. And then before you know it, you'll have huge results because, you know, it just, it's just going to happen. Whereas if you had distaste for something, like say something, you know, great happens for your friend. And if you reacted like, you know what? I knew you were going to get that. I never get shit. 
you know, screw you, you know, and then you walk out, you know, or if you were like, Hey man, I'm so happy for you. You won the trip to, you know, Tahiti or whatever. He's like, well, why don't you come with me? You know what I'm saying? Like, look at, look at the difference between that scenario. Same, same thing. And just the way that you react to it um, as, as a silly example, but, uh, but it is so true. So I just want to illustrate that the, the truth of, you know, having a positive mindset and, it, it is tangible. You will have uh, tangible results just, just from yeah. that, you know, <clears throat> I guess like the, the way you've explained it there is really, really good because the way I've, uh, I'll, the way that spirituality gets looked at is it's um, a leveling up game. So yeah. you've got a level up in life. And from what you've said there, I can, I, I've, I focus a lot on resilience because I feel like resilience is basically what you've been um, taught. What the examples that you gave were around resilience and, yeah, if you practice on low-hanging fruit, so, I don't know, you stub your toe, you, you're going to find it hard to find the positive out of that situation because you want to like, just punch a wall or something. But little small things that come across your way, if you, that are easy for you to be like, well, hold on, is it that bad? Or let's not walk that way again. Let's move that shelf because I've done that three times. Um but then, then you'll sort of like level up and then, I don't know, in your relationships with your friends, with your girlfriend, with your wife, small things that she says, which usually you would get a bit annoyed at, you would then be more resilient to and try that more often and more often and more often and level up again. And the difference between someone who takes that approach, when something big does happen, like they are to unfortunately get cancer, they would see that from a completely different way. But in, on the other side, if someone complains all the time, they stub the toe and they just hate the world for hours after it if they were to get cancer that would literally break that person or not even if they were to get cancer if someone around them was to get cancer that would break that person because they've not built up the resilience they're not leveled up and yeah i guess what i'm saying is from what you've just said then makes it sort of cement into my mind that it's about starting with the little things before you can you can't just think one day oh i'm going to be resilient and like I, like you said, you're, hum, you're a human, so you can't just be resilient. There's always going to be some forces pushing back on you, but it's just about how you handle them forces and try and stay, I guess, balanced within yourself when when uh, obstacles do fly in your direction. Yeah, I don't think it ever really helps us much to get stressed out or freak out about things. I mean, obviously, it's completely natural to want to do that, but... Uh, one thing that I've noticed over time is that I used to, if something that I would perceive to be a bad thing would happen, I don't know, let's say I go to the ATM and I can't take out 20 bucks because I only have $16 in there. This is like a college problem, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would freak out, man. And I would start cursing literally every other aspect of my life. Well, that girl's not going to call me back and my car is going to break down. I mean, I would just go and fly completely off the deep end and take that one negative, let's call it thing, and then project that onto every other aspect of my life, you know, just like a complete uh, un undoing of myself. And it was just like, man, it was just so bad. And I remember being like that and how upset I would get when like one little thing wouldn't go the way that I thought it should. You know, whereas, you know, now I've got to try to go meet a guy because he owes me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, right? Like, that's a completely different situation, but I could, if I was flying off the handle about, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever, you know, then I wouldn't be able to, 
be emotionally prepared to be in that situation. So you want to be an actor or a, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, the stress, the stresses that are going to come along with that, you're going to need to be able to learn how to endure and be okay in the face of, right. And so, you know, putting ourselves in those uncomfortable situations, that's how we can like kind of grow that comfort zone a little bit more over time, but like also having that view of like, okay, well, I'll figure it out. I know if I'm freak out, it's not going to help anything. Then that, that'll also help you deal with larger and larger amounts of stress. I guess ultimately, and this is why people like ice bathe and do all that kind of stuff because they want to be able to handle higher and higher amounts of stress. And I think that's, that's hand in hand with uh, leveling up and what they would call spiritual growth, because it's really about being certain in the face of uncertainty. That's really what spirituality seems to be, you know, um, understanding yourself and like, no matter what, you know, inside you, you got, you got a hold of something. So <clears throat> that's what I think we should be striving to understand, you know, just that strength within ourselves, that understanding. And then as we grow, you know, we get to see ourselves and then every once in a while, maybe you freak out and then you laugh about it. Like I, I've, I've definitely, you know, like I've been like, Oh shit, I'm about to, I'm freaking out right now. Oh, okay. And then now it's funny because I can see myself. It's like when I started doing the cold showers, I would do a cold shower for like five seconds. And then I would start squealing like a middle school girl. And as soon as I started squealing like a middle school girl, I started dying laughing, you know, at what a bitch I was being in the shower, you know, like I can't stay. And so that would keep me in there for another 10 or 15 seconds. So <laughs> you got to use what you got. But, but over time, you know, I can be in a cold shower for a long time. I actually prefer the ice bath now because the shower is just kind of like annoying. It just gets you cold in one area. And then everything else is, you know, cause I just, so I'll now I'd rather just go all the way in, but I still do a cold shower, uh, but it's, you know, it's ex that gradual exposure that's le leveling you up or, or expanding your comfort zone. It's the exact same thing. <clears throat> so do you use an ice bath every day? I don't do an ice bath every day. I need to uh, incorporate that more often. I did a bunch of ice baths with Brandon Powell and the Grimerica guys uh, when I was on their retreats and it was awesome, but the, I wish I had a better bathtub. I need to get like a, like one of those tubes or th the bigger things that you can just jump right in. Cause I know people that do a nice bath every single day, like Brandon does. And I think Bill does maybe, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's awesome. It's definitely worth doing every once in a while. One thing that I do during the summer uh, is raft guiding. And I think I get a lot of the same benefits from that being out in the sun, the water's cold. We're going through pretty hefty rapids where crazy stuff could happen. So you want to, um, yeah. So you definitely get adrenaline because what's happening in the ice bath is your body saying, Oh my God, I might die, you know? And then you're like, no, you're not, you're not going to die. Calm down. So like, at, and that's exposing you to that stress and that, uh, primitive kind of, um, experience it has huge residual effects with uh, your serotonin levels and just be jacked for the rest of the day so i think the same thing happens when you go hunting or rafting or certain other activities that are kind of like you know um maybe a little bit have a little element of danger or risk yeah like, is that similar to when people walk on burning coal 
Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Gurdjieff talked about being chased by an elephant in heat. Uh, Castaneda talked about, yeah, I know. Very specific. <laughs> Castaneda talked about, um, you know, a lot of being like having their mentors, like scare them, like literally scare them and put them in these situations in the woods where they thought, you know, they might die and stuff. So that is a thing in a lot of different spiritual practices. I think this day and age, and um, especially in the modern Western world, everything's so easy for us. Like, I could literally sit at my desk all day and not have to move. I could get food delivered to the door. I can earn money while sat here. Like, that could literally be my life. And it's just so convenient. Whereas when you're going in ice baths and having cold showers and doing things that are difficult, it's adding that challenge into your life that is non existent, which should be. It's human nature to be in some sort of danger at some point during the day. Yeah, I think maybe that might be our biggest challenge is that we have to seek out challenges to challenge ourselves. You know, like, like, just like you said, it's like, I could be here all day and just be fine. Just take a nap on the couch and watch YouTube or whatever and just chill. You know, I don't have to worry, you know, but at a certain point. I will suffer as a result of that when I can't pay my rent or whatever. So I've got to go out and actively find challenges to face. And I don't know that we've ever really quite been there. And it seems like the people who are, who have, who are having the most, I guess, success for lack of a better word are the people who are really good at going out and finding challenges for themselves. <clears throat> just, uh, just bringing you back to like the manifestation side of things for a point. Um, there's when I was going through, I don't know, maybe I call it a phase of reading these self-help books where they talk about manifestation, but they kind of, I don't want to say manipulate it, but they kind of, um, tell you one side of it where it's like, yeah. I don't know, put a Ferrari on your fridge and every day when you open the fridge, one day there might be a Ferrari in there, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ferrari what, what cake. Would... I manifested it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say the um the differences between that sort of manifestation and the manifestation that we've just talked about where you just implement it on ground level within your life well i would say first of all anything that becomes mainstream loses all nuance so just expect that you know no matter what it is so when new age ideology becomes mainstream of course it's oversimplified grossly and just stupid dumb like you know like put a ferrari like you said you know put a ferrari on your fridge or whatever um one of the things that vadim says in his book is that um we always get what we don't want and he talks about sod's law he calls it is that what you guys call it call it in britain uh, awesome. or, yeah yeah and so like everything that can go wrong will go wrong we have another term for that here kind of thing we always get what we don't want so he's talking about like attraction and in a in a in he also talks about um, how when we really over-desire something, we get in our own way about it. Like we're actively pushing it away from us. Um, so there's a lot of nuance to the whole idea of manifestation. Um, first and foremost, being that the things that we don't want, our heart and mind, what he says is this, our heart and mind agree. Okay. And that's what causes us to draw things into our life. If my heart and mind agree that, um, 
I want to learn how to go rafting and be in the woods. Well, then those two things line up. I'm, they're in agreement now. And so they're in harmony. So anything that comes, you know, close to me that resembles that now I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to that as a, as a fulfillment, you know, manifestation is a very natural thing. We think about something, then we go out and we do it. That's what manifestation is at a basic level. It's like, I was thinking about going rafting. So I drove up to the mountains and I looked at the water and I talked to some people and they told me who to get in touch with or whatever. And I sent them an email and then we talked on the phone and I got hired and whatever, right? Like that's a manifestation, you know, manifestation doesn't mean that it just like shows up on your doorstep. It's just part of that process, but our heart and mind agree on what we want and our heart and mind agree on what we don't want. So the more that we like worry, we're like manifesting bad things kind of. And so that's why like the, the negative things can just continue to spiral out of control. You know, it's like one bad thing leads to another bad thing. It's a comedy of errors. Um, you know, so there's, there's an interesting, um, dynamic at work with all of that. It's like the thing that you try to avoid is coming at you so fast. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and alternatively, the thing that you are trying to get so hard is running from you because you you've created resistance to it um, by desiring it so much. So there is like an emotional, I would say almost like a weather system is kind of how I might describe it. That's kind of happening. Right. Um, so like, thinking about it in with that analogy um you know we're we're it's like i think the universe can hear you <laughs> so like whatever you really think about it deep deep inside of yourself like that's your attitude toward the thing and i think you know the the heart i think needs to lead that whole interaction and the mind is basically like a navigator um but what often happens is people will just won't even take action. They'll just think about something that they want and they won't even do anything. They'll just expect it to kind of show up. And that's what manifestation with a dream board has become um, because you have to take those actions, right? Like, and one of the things that he says in the book is like, oftentimes you just have to take the fortress by a lengthy siege back to the idea of resilience or persistence. And I, there was a quote that I wanted to read about persistence, but that basically means that you just keep, you just keep going. Sometimes you're, Sometimes you can't believe it and you're never going to trick yourself into believing something that you don't believe. It just won't, it just won't happen. You know, like it's real easy for Bill Murray to walk to the mailbox and get a script that someone sent him. Right. Maybe I want that, but am I at the emotional capacity that he is to walk out to the mailbox and get a script? Of course not. And I'm nowhere, nowhere close. I can't believe it. I can't even begin to believe to believe it. But if I continue you know, let's say I wanted to be an actor. If I continue taking acting lessons and working and doing auditions and doing all the things that it takes, eventually I can be the person that walks out to their mailbox and gets their script in there. So, but those things have to match. Yeah. Um, you have to start on the level that you're on currently. You have to, you need to complete that level to move on to the next. Yeah. 100%. And I love this quote for that because, you know, as we were talking about, um, you know, going through long periods of difficulty, and feeling like you will, feeling like you want to give up. That's what a real challenge is. If you, if you felt like oh, I got this the whole time, it wasn't challenging enough for you to doubt yourself. And you need to have that dark night in the soul. That's even just part of the hero's journey. But 
this is attributed to Calvin Coolidge. I've heard other people say that it's not his quote. It doesn't matter. The truth of the quote is what matters to me. But I love this quote and I heard it from a I heard it from Richard Grove a long, long time ago and always stuck with me. He said, nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan press on has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Attributed to Calvin Coolidge. So it's building, it's expanding that comfort zone. You know, if you want to be a comedian, you're not getting a Netflix special tomorrow. It's going to take you years and years of work and time and all of that kind of stuff to get to that level. Tennis pro, golfer, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, you've got to be willing to take the fortress by lengthy siege. You've got to be willing to take the time and do the actions to build your belief up enough. If you can't believe it, you can't trick yourself into believing it. And there are some ways to kind of get closer, but there's no shortcut to to expanding your comfort zone. It's just something that you have to do a little bit at a time. And it's fucking painful. It's not fun. <laughs> like It sucks. But it's necessary. And that's that's what separates people. You know, if it was if it was easy, everyone would do it. And another cliche. But <clears throat> it really comes down to it really does come down to belief as far as the whole manifestation thing goes. You know, things will come as they come. And you just if you can just stay in the pocket and just be grateful for it and cheer everybody else on too, then you know, when you're ready for the thing, it'll come. I always think of, did you guys ever see the movie field of dreams? Okay. It's an old movie. Um, it's one of the ones it's from like the nineties. Kevin Costner plays this guy who builds a baseball field in his uh, farm at his farm in Iowa. And he's hearing voices and everybody thinks he's crazy. It's a great, it's a great movie. At the end of the movie, he goes and he finds this writer and this writer gets to go to heaven with all these great baseball players that Kevin Costner truly admires. And he has this breakdown at the end of the movie. And he's like, what the hell you get to go out here with shoeless Joe Jackson and you're just going to walk through the cornfield or what? I, why don't I get to go? And then he's like, what's in it for me? I'm saying what's in it for me. <laughs> and then it's this hard scene. Cause he's like, man, I've done all this stuff. I turned my freaking backyard into a, baseball field and drove across the country and picked this dude and did all this other stuff on a whim. And I'm not getting shit out of this. I'm in debt. They're going to foreclose on my farm. You know, what's in it for me. But then uh, the guy leaves and he like points at this other guy who's on the baseball diamond. And he goes up to the other guy and he realizes, Oh my God, that's my dad. And he had been watching his dad be the catcher. I think of the game the whole game. And so they get to have like a catch with each other at the end. So he gets what he gets. And it's something far more than just going through a cornfield to hang out with these people. It's something that's far more meaningful and very specifically unique to him. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel that way a lot where it's like, God, what's where's my, you know, sometimes I feel that way. Like, um, and it's funny. I try to think about that scene when I do, because I know <clears throat> that I'm just kind of maybe being a little, having a little bit of oversight, you know, and being a little bit of a prima donna at the moment. And that, that will happen. Um, but yeah, just keeping keeping that in mind. I feel like that's the beauty of this whole 
thing of this whole idea of manifesting because it's it's really something that's specifically for you. It's not something that anybody else could have. And when it's your thing that is for you, it's a completely different experience than getting something that somebody else gets. You know, we all have our own goals. And I think that's the most important thing. Those manifestations are come going to come along by being on the path to the goal. And they're kind of just bonuses. You know, it's really about understanding ourselves and what we're doing and working on those things. That's the, that's the real reward in my opinion. And people who are very externalized or ego identified are going to get caught up on the glamour and the, the award, the, you know, the admonition or whatever. And that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with getting a, a reward for your hard work. But ultimately, I think there is a deeper um, and and a better, like, I, I guess, reward. I don't know if there's a better word for that, but like a, a, something, there's something personal. Yeah, there's something personalized for you, you know, and, and, it, and it comes through, I think, just doing, just doing the next thing and just listening to yourself and being authentic to that and basically staying on the path that your heart and your mind agree upon. And that's what transurfing and all the esoteric shit, all of it, blue collar mystic, all that stuff. It's all about one thing and that's heart and mind in agreement so that you are in unity. So you're not fighting against yourself. That's the ultimate uh, terrible place to be in. And um, you know, when I was waking up or whatever, I was all sad and I was thinking I could never have X, Y, or Z, or this was never going to happen or whatever. Well, in reality, you know, some of the things that I've gotten to experience have been better than I could have ever put together myself. You know, if you would have given me carte blanche and said, all right, you know, write what you think would be cool. I wouldn't have even given myself some of the things that I've gotten to experience, you know, uh, Cause I didn't even know they were there. I didn't even know it was a possibility, right? Like an example is I wound up on the impractical jokers cruise. I did two of those. I did a bunch of cruise ships right before COVID. And uh, <clears throat> it was awesome. It was like one of the coolest things. I'm not going back on the cruise ships. It was fun while it lasted, but I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I wouldn't have even known to say, Hey, it would be really cool to be doing comedy on a cruise ship and hosting events with, you know, all my favorite comedians that have Netflix specials or whatever. And then they even wind up in that place. I didn't even know it was possible. So, you know, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes you don't know what's going to happen and it's so good when it does. And then sometimes you just have to keep staying patient. I think long suffering is a great term for it. And I think, you know, you'll, you'll learn patience no matter what, but that persistence quote, man, it just, it, it keeps me in the game. If you can understand your motivation, that reason why that icky guy, and you're like, all right, I know why I'm doing this. Then that's good. You know, you've got a direction, you've got like a, a reason, you know, a why, and that is fundamental and that'll propel you to the to the next thing <clears throat> i like how you had the movie as, as a sort of reference point because i feel like these reference points are important to have and for someone who's just starting out on the journey or new to the journey completely maybe they just sort of a, a flick switched in the head in the morning they can start finding reference points as they watch tv watch movies listen to certain songs i guess um or like listening to stand-up comedians because 
comedians have great um, stories and great ways of explaining something that's meaningful to the audience. So I know for a fact there's quite a few different stand-up um, comedians where I can relate to them and it, it gives me a, a short little reference point. But as you progress through it, then you'll start identifying your own experiences as reference points. And then that's when you can see the uh, snowball effects taking place. Um, one thing that I experienced and sort of got myself a bit, like, like you said, it, it turns into chaos in your mind. I was um, I'm obviously on some sort of journey of becoming a better person and becoming more true to myself. And I was speaking to this uh, guy at a wedding and in my head, uh, I couldn't stop thinking this guy's just a pure dick. And he, but like you said um, earlier, the universe knows what you're thinking, even when it's deep, deep down. So I started thinking, shit, I don't want to be this person thinking he's a dick. Like the universe is going to know how do I be more positive about it? And I guess for that situation, I just had to not speak to him for the rest of the night. But it proper got me thinking um, after it, like, well, what do I do in that situation? Like, I don't want to think he's a dick, but he was being a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. I mean, there's tons of tons of that, you know. I, so when it comes down to judgment, judgment is not calling a spade a spade. That's just call. That's fine. Like you can say this person's kind of a dick. This person is kind of slutty. You know, it just is what it is. If you compare yourself against that person, that's where judgment comes from. Because it's about contradistinction. It's about saying I'm better than them because I'm not a dick. That's judgment. But this guy's a dick. Hey, he's a loose cannon. He's a dick. But if you are indifferent to that and you're not, you don't take a side, right? Like it doesn't polarize you where you're like, hey, yeah, let's, let's be a dick together. Let's, or you're not like, I'm better than that guy because I'm a nice guy, right? Now, now you've created a, a disturb, a disturbance in the balance because everything just is what it, what it is. The guy's a dick. That's fine. But that's not a judgment. Um, like I said, it's not a judgment unless you compare it against something. So it's okay to do that as long as you don't have that sneaky, um, holier than thou thing creep up, you know? Right. That's actually a great way of putting it. Um, yeah, definitely in my head, I was just like, I don't, I guess it's something that comes with being semi new to the journey. I was just like, I shouldn't be thinking this, this isn't right. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. I mean, nobody's for everybody. That's just it. You know, we wouldn't all be friends at at a party and that's all right um you know that i think that kind of helps us decide you know how we're going to spend our time and with who um but yeah like that's that's a that was something that really helped me a lot was thinking about that it's like you can say someone is a, a slob if they're a slob that's okay as long as you don't think that you're better than them because you're different you know or whatever that is that's really that thing he talks about in uh, Transurfing that, uh, you know, what unconditional love is, is it's, it's admiring the rose and not cutting it. And when you take it, you cut it, you bring it inside, you put it in water, and then it dies in three days. If you would have just left it alone and loved it the way that it was and let it be what it was, it would still be there. Mm. Wow, that's a, pow that's a powerful message. Um, uh, well, yeah. Go on, sorry. Yeah. Um, so just going back to your comedy career um how important do you think comedy is to society i i think it's very important very very important um for a lot of reasons 
it's a way to say things that otherwise wouldn't be able to be said. Uh, it's also a huge coping mechanism just from a personal place for me. My grandfather was like that. He would make jokes about stuff. Ultimately, I heard this quote last night, actually, on uh, Bill's podcast, the Chrononaut Chronicles. I think I wrote it down. Um, even, even the greatest drama when we sit down becomes comedy. So after time, what well, they say, that's the same. It's the same as the formula for comedy. Comedy equals uh, tragedy plus time. That's what comedy equals, they say. I think it was more like comedy equals tragedy plus tragedy. You know what I'm saying? Because like, if you watch some slapstick, some good slapstick, a dude stubs his toe, that's maybe drama. You know, a dude stubs his toe and then the, a tree branch falls on his head. Now that's comedy. You know what I mean? That's funny. So, <clears throat> you know, having that perspective, like I was talking about before, I, it's funny to be in that moment too and reacting to it. If someone was an outside observer and saw you reacting like a snail, uh, they would think it was very funny. <clears throat> but if you can, when something crazy happens to you, take a step back and try to see the situation from a, you know, a, a, a higher perspective, if you will, um, then it's a little bit easier to see the humor in it. It's a little bit easier to, to deal with it. So for me, it's like a huge coping mechanism. And, uh, and I do think it's an important way to say things too. And I also just love laughing. What a weird, strange thing that we do. Um, that that's another thing that nobody can really explain. I've read tons of books on it. You know, there's lots of theories about it and nobody really knows. There's what are some of the theories around it? One is that it's, uh, it's basically, uh, an acknowledgement of justice. That's one of the ones that I like the most. So like if someone was being a dick, let's say, and they stole a little girl's lunch and then they slipped down a hill and tumbled and hurt themselves, then we would laugh because they got what they deserved, right? Um, so to me, uh, that's that's one. Um, but yeah, there's that dude, there's there's a lot. People have written a lot extensively about it. So it's an it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic even in itself, and not one that there's a consensus on. So but that's well, fine. What I find crazy as well is laughter and uh, jokes are universal. Like someone in China would find the same shit funny that we find in here in the West. Well, some cultures do have d different senses of humor. I will say that, um, you know, like uh, I've read about that too. Like if you go to Japan, like every, it's such a mono culture that you don't have to talk about a premise you can just go right to the punchline they even have gestures they just have like a gesture where a dude will just gesture with his hand and, and everyone laughs because it's such a such a culture that everyone understands the premise that the culture is based on that society is based on that the joke itself doesn't even need a setup so then you go to like then you go to south america and they do like clowning or europe right and they do clowning and it's different you know and then you, you know you go to mexico and they do i am or whatever the fuck that is, you know? And so, and then, and, and then you come to America and everybody, and then it's like some, you know, some cool comic with a leather jacket that just has, you know, a take on everything and makes a bunch of great jokes or whatever. So, you know, it is, it is universal in the fact that there's humor in every culture, uh, but you can definitely see the different types of expressions. I think ours comes more from, um, uh, 
resisting authority and challenging authority, um, like with a gesture and all of that. And then some other, some of the other cultures may have different roots as far as how they brought comedy in. Have you performed internationally? Um, yeah, I performed in, I performed in, uh, on the cruise ships overseas in Europe, in Spain and stuff, but mostly, uh, just around here right now, I'm trying to build our local scene as best I can here in Athens, Georgia, where I live It's a small town. And, uh, so I have an Instagram page. I'll ask people to check out called Athens comedy. If you're on Instagram and then we have a, I, I manage the calendar for it and has all the different shows. There's all kinds of cool stuff happening here. I'm really proud of the scene. There's a lot of stand up. There's plenty of improv and there's sketch and other stuff too. It's a very healthy scene. There's a lot of different people doing stuff. So if people have the uh, ability to check that out, I always feature different comedians on that page and, but it's mostly a calendar of events. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of, um, do, do, have you ever watched Kill Tony? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I watch a lot of Kill Tony. Uh, and I think, yeah, the, giving people a platform is one of the best things. Not, I don't just mean with comedy. I just mean with any uh, of the arts, I guess. Giving people a platform to get their own platform is one of the uh, best things that you can do for a, to build a community. What, what how big was the comedy scene in Athens like 10 years ago was it as big as it is now has it grown recently uh well everything kind of just has gone through a rebirth because of the pandemic here you know or a lot of things have I guess you should say some things are still the institutions they once were but you know the comedy scene kind of went away and then came back and so I started just posting what was going on so that people could find it and um and so that's been really fun and i've got to see a lot of new comedians develop as a result of it and our scene is burgeoning here which is good and so i'm happy about that i'm hoping that we can continue with that and um and just yeah keep doing more things because that you know I, I i definitely want to get out and about as well but i'm happy here doing what i'm doing to push forward the the scene in itself you know for comedy because I think it's I think it's a very important thing, you know, and I love the camaraderie and the community that comes about as a result of it. Because it's people who know how usually it's people who know how to laugh at themselves and have a you know, have a good sense of humor uh about things. So yeah, and stop the people that don't take every single aspect of life so serious. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. When you were um looking at the theories of laughter. It, does that help you with writing your material? I guess it can. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, there's still so much to learn about that. When I first got into comedy, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn stand-up comedy as if it's one skill, you know, but it's, it's not, it's a multiple amount of skills. So yeah, I think about that a little bit. Um, but I think ultimately it has more to do with, I think finding your own self and your own voice and what's funny about you, then why people laugh. Cause the reason why they laugh isn't really as important as what they're laughing at. Right. And the reason why um, doing comedy may not be entirely to get laughs, 
you know, I, I would think that as an art form, it, there would be something more embedded in that. It's not that way for everybody, but for me, I'd like to, you know, put a few ideas out there during my set. Um, and then everybody's got different goals too. That's one of the biggest things I've learned with art in general. I mean, I started out as a musician then I became a producer and I worked in Hollywood on Hollywood movies and stuff for a while. And then I just started doing my own thing a few years ago. So, um, you know, everybody's got a different goal. Some people want to be movie stars. Some people want to be actors. Some people want uh, stand-up specials. Some people just want to be good at their craft. Some people want to be bookers. Some people want to be producers. Some people want to open and host. So everybody's in a different place and they all want what they want. And I think the more specific you can be and honest, you can be with yourself. It's okay. It's okay to say, I want to be, uh, I want some certain level amount of fame. That's part of why I'm doing this. Acknowledge it, you know, like um, whatever that is, stay true to that because that's going to guide you. You know, it's like aim small, miss small, right? Like if you know what it is that exactly that you want, then you're going to get pretty close to that. You know, it'd be a lot easier to get close to that than it would to just kind of be like, oh, I don't know what I want. I'm just going to try this thing out and see where I wind up. And uh, there's nothing wrong with going out there and, and playing. If you don't know yet, it's okay to not know too. Well, make that point. And um, that's part of, that's part of the fun is figuring out what it, what it is, you know, discovering that, you know, that, that reason, that reason for being the purpose, why you do what you do yeah it's like you said earlier right that um you had some experiences that you would have never thought were, were even experiences to have had and you had them and i guess that's the beauty of i guess going in a certain direction and knowing which direction you you're going uh, and not sort of walking backwards in a sense and then getting a feel of what's what whilst you're walking down there and then deciding what really takes your fancy and then you can start getting a bit more strict on where exactly you want to go. I think that's really well said. Yeah. It's it, part of it is, is experimentation. Just seeing what it is that you like. That's, that's a good place to be in. I wish I would have had more fun. Cause I was always like, I need to, I need to know why I'm here and what I'm doing and why, you know, all of this stuff. And it's like that, those are all great things. There's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, you're not going to be able to escape it anyway. <laughs> so you might as well enjoy all the explorations. You know, if you're like, well, I'm going to try scuba diving or mountain climbing or go-karting or whatever, you know, try it out. See, you might be surprised at what you like, what you don't like. I thought I would have loved scuba diving. Oh, I fucking hated it. It was terrible. I was mortified and I couldn't breathe and my sinuses got all bad and I got nosebleeds and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I thought I would, I thought I, I would have bet before I went down the first time. I was like, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. I'm going to want to spend my life as a scuba instructor. I know it's true. And then I came up and I was like, I hate this. This is the worst. I don't want to ever do this again. And I'm stuck on an Island for three days, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the fun part. I mean, and then you kind of figure it out what it is and that's cool. Cause you feel a resolve there and that gives you a place to kind of start from and to stay motivated. And yeah. I guess that is life because that is the sort of pinnacle of expectation versus reality. And, uh, I guess today in today's modern day with the amount of advertisement that's out there, 
expectations are through the roof for many, many, many different things when in reality it just might not align with you. It might not align with you just even at that moment of your life where if you, if you was to come back to it 10 years time, you might uh, appreciate it differently because you've had different experiences. But that's, I think, something people need to get clear of is that there is a lot of expectations put on a lot of different things uh, today because, I mean, look at when you go down and walk down, I, I know in, in England here, when you walk down, it's uh, like a, a row of restaurants or a row of takeaways. It's best burger in England, best fish and chip shop in England. And I know no one really believes that, but look at that on like a bigger level. Everything is sort of sold to you as the best thing you you're gonna love this you're gonna love that and then like you said with scuba diving you get there and you're like mm, it wasn't for me and it's about lowering your expectations a bit so <laughs> then you don't get disappointments like i don't walk into that burger place thinking it's the best burger in england it's going to be the best thing ever i don't have them expectations so i'm not disappointed when i go there and it's a below average burger which i mean <laughs> sometimes i've had the best experiences when i've had no expectations before i've done it hmm yeah. The first time I went to LA, I had a great time and I, because I thought I was just going to hate it. I was like, LA, oh God, this is going to be the worst. Like all these weird people out here who are just such simps for the Hollywood industry, blah, blah, blah. And then I got out there and I met some of the coolest people I've ever met. They took me to underground art exhibitions and all kinds of cool jazz clubs and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, I was clearly wrong about this place. It's, you know, it's not what I had in mind. Um, so yeah, that's a really good thing. You just buffer those expectations. Just see how things, see how things go. Cause yeah, once again, you know, there's a differentiation, differentiation there. There's a, there's a distortion in like what you expect and then what actually happens, you know, it's kind of stage fright too, that happens where you're like, you think about this thing a bunch of times, you make a big deal about it in your head. And then when you get up there, it doesn't go like you thought it would ever net nothing does so again certainty in the face of uncertainty <laughs> you know <laughs> see that's where resilience is and that i think that's what alchemy is mm. uh right so yeah we're on the uh mark so thank you so much uh Bootsy, for coming on yeah. this has been cheers Bootsy. cheers guys thank you guys it's so very much for having me insightful yeah. and uh it was great talking to you thanks aaron thank you cam and i Love what you guys are doing. Keep up the awesome work and we'll stay in touch. Yeah, definitely, man. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Thanks for your uh, your presences. I mean, you talked about some serious stuff, but the whole thing was, uh, I don't know, I guess because you're a comic, you just had that fluidity and it just made it that little extra level of uh, more comfortable to talk about. So. Appropriate, appropriate, appropriate. <laughs> Quote me on that, everybody. Appropriate. Get out there and get to appropriate. All right. That's my last word. <laughs> No, you guys are great. Thank you so much. Uh, no worries. All right, Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.